Hello and welcome to Sojourners in the Storm podcast. Today we are going to finish out the epistle of Jude. We will be covering verses 25, uh, 20 through 25, I'm sorry. And uh, this will conclude the study for us. So another book completed. Um, I hope you guys are blessed by these messages. I hope that as you listen to these, that they are working in your lives, that they're opening your, your eyes as much as they're opening up mine and changing and working through me. Um, with that, let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for another opportunity to share your word, Lord, to share the gospel. Father, I pray that you would just go before us today, Lord. Teach us, fill us anew with the fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you, and I pray to you and just ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Jude, chapter, well, there's only one chapter, so chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. And I wanted to start out and just go back over the last few studies that we did. So for our first uh, four, uh, four studies, really, we have taken an in-depth look at the warnings of apostasy. So if we look at verse 3 in Jude, it says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all divided to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed so long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of our God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We have examined the consequences of a large group that falls into apostasy and it turns its back on the truth in order to serve themselves. Taking a look at Jude chapter uh, verse 5, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. Uh, verse 11, it says, But I want to remind you, though, you once knew this, that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day, as Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities around them, in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal life. Likewise also, these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil of whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts, in these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So we looked at the condemnation of the false teachers that lead individuals into apostasy, uh, through their own fleshly living and false teachings about Jesus. We've looked at their characteristics and their tactics. So if we go back to verse 12, it says, These are spots in your love feasts, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. They are clouds without water, carried about by the winds, late autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming up their own shame, wandering stars, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them, 
of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts, and they obey and they mouth great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time, who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the spirit. So now we're going to look at the antidote to the poison that these types bring. You know, for every illness, there's a cure. For every detour, there's a direct route. And for every heretic, there's always the truth that sets the wayward child free. It's important that we are all always, again, mindful of what we are hearing, that we are discerning of what we are seeing, and that we are looking at the times in relation to what the Word says is going to happen. You know, we know that in the last days, the church will largely apostatize. We know that the world right now is looking for direction and answers, and that in the near future, I think we're going to have the Antichrist come in the scene. You know, I think with all the division and all the political and social fighting going on as well, as the pandemic, the climate change people, and the overall condition of people's hearts, you know, the time is ripe right now for the taking. And that's what is going to happen when the Antichrist comes in. You know, the time, the stage is being set right now, I truly believe. Now, with that said, it's our time right now as the church to look out, to be ready, to be steady, and to hold on to the truth of God above all else. You know, in a world that is selling us McDonald's, we need to hold on to the farm fresh, if you will. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the way and the only way. Where the false teacher has tried to convince the church that the answer to salvation lies in the minds of men, God tells us that it lies in his son and in his son alone. In John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Notice there is no call in there for money. There is no call for positive thinking or works-based religion. Only Jesus. All the above-mentioned traits are a result of salvation and not the cause of it. Therefore, we must be aware of the God that saves men and disregard the, the men that try and create gods. You know, we must be diligent in our study, in our prayer, and in our walks because the days, I believe, are short. Do not be caught off guard by false doctrines or overcome with fear because Jesus is coming and to him there is no equal. Nothing stands up to the power of Jesus. And when Jesus comes, we're going to experience that. Verse 20 in Jude says this, But you, beloved, building, a spirit, uh, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. You know, faith is not a man-made religion. Faith is a lifestyle of trust. You know, during the last 18 months, if we've been watching the news briefs from our elected community, uh, you know, we've been hearing them calling uh, basically us the faith-based communities. And, and this is used in terms of describing the people of this great country that still attend some type of religious gatherings, right? You know, to the politician and largely to the world, the term faith is associated to the religion of a person's choice or upbringing. Now, if you look along those lines of thinking, everybody has some type of faith, right? We all believe in something, whether it's a form of humanism, 
some Eastern philosophical system or whatever. We all believe in something. But faith is not merely a religion. Faith is not something that you pick. You know, some people will say, well, you, you insulted my faith, or my faith says this, or my faith says that. Well, it's not a faith that you have. It's a religion. It, it, it's a, 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 a group that you follow, that you've, you, you've held on to. You know, faith is trust. Faith is not something that's outlined for you. Faith is not, it, it, it's trust, again, it cannot be categorized or itemized. It's either whole or nothing. It's complete or non-existent. For the Christian, if we do not have complete faith in Jesus as our Savior, as our protector, and as our life, you know, we do not have a real faith. Jude tells us to build ourselves up on our most holy faith. That means that we need to take all we have and invest it in him, that our eyes should be only on him. No matter the attacks that come our way, the trials we face, the noise around us, our eyes and direction are always on Him. You know, if He is the way, then we should be obedient. If He is the truth, then we should emulate Him. If He is the life, then we should hold on to Him with all we have. You know, we should be attaching ourselves to Him wholly and completely. We should be basking in His love for us and spending our time in prayer and dedication. And not just how we live and act outwardly, but having faith is how we live and act inwardly. Faith in God means that we have no fear of the world or anything of the world. It means that we are motivated, motivated by our end goal of heaven, knowing that it is promised, that it is guarded, and that the Holy Spirit that was granted to us as a down payment of our faith and future is our guarantee that if anything happens to us or around us, we have that security. Take a look back at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. It says, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of God, uh, the, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Who is the guarantee of uh, our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his, uh, his glory? So it's not that we have him in the... Uh, in the Holy Spirit, but that the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us when we have faith, and that allows Him to work in us. What sets us apart from the religions of the world is that we do have God with us, and we have a direct contact with Him at all times through the Holy Spirit. You know, when Jude says for us to pray in the Holy Spirit, it means that we should allow Him to search our hearts and draw out the things we need to address with God. You know, we allow that conviction to come with uh, the praise to come, and even the things we cannot put into words when we're just heartbroken or twisted up over them to come forward. Take a look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows that what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So, you know, our spirit searches our mind. It searches our heart. It searches our soul. And it interacts with the Holy Spirit. You know, when we are in true fellowship with God, with the Holy Spirit, it means our spirit and the Holy Spirit are interacting. They're communing together. And, you know, that's a deep relationship with God. You know, that's as close as we get to him on this earth and in knowing him and communing with Him, and pouring out our hearts to Him, and letting Him minister to us in return. You know, the Holy Spirit draws things out of us in a way that we cannot comprehend. 
I think prayer in the Spirit has a way of drawing us closer to God because when we ask for it, or better yet, when we submit to it, we leave nothing uncovered. And when we acknowledge our needs and failures, that's when God really starts to work on us and in us. You know, the more we submit outwardly and inwardly, the more the inward faith that we are uh, developing, the trust that we are building, shows outwardly. The inward faith is what exudes the confidence we have in our salvation that was bought by Jesus, secured by the Holy Spirit, and honored by the Father. When we give our lives over, God keeps us, and, the, and God protects us, even when we don't see or understand what's going on. You know, we may face trials and hardships physically in this world, but our souls are locked in an unbreakable safe, uh, in the unbreakable safe of God's protection. You know, think about that. He holds on to us through the thick and thin. And it's not like one of those things in the movie where you see a, like a cliffhanger scene. and You know, there's one friend holding on to the other friend that's hanging off the edge and their fingers start to slip. Uh-uh. It's not like that. You're 20 feet away from the edge of that cliff and Jesus is standing in between you and it. Ain't nothing happening to you when you're in God's will. When you accept him, when you submit to him, when you give your life over to him. Verse 21 says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Notice yourselves is plural in verse 21. He's talking to the group, the church here. To keep is to protect and defend. So he's saying, defend yourselves with the word of God. You know, if the false teachers that we've talked about are making their push, well, then we have the immovable, immovable object that is the word of God for them to push against. You know, we keep ourselves in the love of God by knowing the Word of God and not moving off of it for the uh, the newest thing that comes along. You know, God's Word is as constant as His love for us. And so we must be mindful of our lives, not to stray away from that love. You know, when we enter into God's love, we enter into a, enter into a commitment and a committed relationship. You know, take for instance, when you get married, you are committed to that person that you marry whether it be your husband or your wife. You do not stray away from that person because when you break that commitment with outside influences, you are no longer guarding the commitment you made, but allowing it to be broken. When one outside influence en enters in, more and more will enter, and eventually the original commitment is so diluted that you don't even know each other anymore. You know, we don't want that with the Lord. We want nothing but Jesus. You know, keeping ourselves in the love of God is done by keeping a laser focus on Jesus and the word you know there's nothing else that can take its place when we are struck when we're stuck to it and holding on for dear life when we hold fast to the lord when we understand and greatly appreciate the end result that jude mentions here you know looking for the mercy of our lord jesus christ unto eternal life we hold fast to jesus because we are waiting for his return we are waiting for our call home we look for the mercy because when he does call us all of the trials end, all the tribulations end, the suffering, the pain, the heartbrokenness, the illness, the persecutions will cease. His mercy will pull us out of it in that day. We just have to trust it's going to happen. When we trust in that, we can trust in him through everything. We can live fearlessly knowing that if we keep true to the faith in Jesus Christ, if we look at the facts about Jesus and the proof of the Bible in which we get to know him, our faith will be unshakable because we will be unwilling to compromise the truth for the outside influences. You know, when Jesus returns, 
uh, fellowship with God in the physical and spiritual forms is going to take place. We will praise and worship him in person. We will know, uh, uh, we know that every tear will be wiped away, that all the scars are gone, and we will see him in his glory. Verse 22 says, and on some have compassion, making a distinction. You know, not all are lost. Not all the lost are wayward. Patience brings the lost to the light. You know, there's a lot of confusion about the translation of this verse among Greek scholars, but the, uh, the commentary that I'm using makes a valid point. We have to be patient. You know, there's a lot of doubt being cast on the word of God by satanic influences in order to, uh, in order to keep the lost out there wandering in the wilderness. But when we are confronted with questions, being grounded in the truth, we can answer to the best of our abilities. And over time, we make inroads and eventually get people saved. You know, sometimes things take time. It's like breaking up a big piece of granite with a hammer. Now, you can hit a slab of granite over and over again for hours without seeing any outward results. But inwardly, the blows are causing microfractures. And over time, though, uh, over time, those small fractures become large cracks. And those cracks eventually cause the whole thing to break apart. You know, not everybody is converted on the spot, like the movies uh, that, that we see coming out. You know, sometimes it takes months. It, we have to be patient. Uh, you know, that love and that faith that we have is offered to everybody. If we are patient, if we are kind, if we are consistent, we can help open the doors to the hearts of, the, uh, uh, of people to the Lord. You know, we never know where a person has been or what they've been through. Some may come out of cults, some may be atheists or agnostics, or come from one of those uh, word of faith movements. Either way, our patience with them can make all the difference if we are truly keeping the Great Commission to make disciples. And we're keeping that in mind, and we're following that. Verse 23 says, But others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. You know, there are no irredeemable men, only irredeemable qualities. We have patience with the curious. We must also put a hand out to the worst of the worst. You know, if we consider uh, the, the context of this epistle, we're talking about the carnal teacher that produces and replicates the carnal follower. They may be teaching an, an antichrist doctrine, but they too can be saved. You know, with God, all things are possible. But pu by pulling them out of the fire, it's like reaching into hell and pulling them out by the preaching of the gospel. Even the hardest of men can be saved. You know, if David Berkowitz can get saved, and that's the son of Sam Killer that uh, terrorized New York in the 1970s, so can anybody else. You know, there's nobody beyond redemption in the eyes of God. If we take a look at Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2, it says, And the Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord, who has chosen Jerusalem, rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing out before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich, uh, with rich robes. So just as God pulled Jerusalem out of the fire like a hot brand, he can pull any man out as well. Jerusalem had fallen into sin, just like men do, but God redeemed them. 
He is faithful in redemption when we turn our hearts to him. Our job is not to save people as a whole, but to open the doors to salvation, to be lights in the world, to show people the love of God. Now take a look at verse 3 and 4 of Zechariah here. And I'll read it to you again. It says, Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich, with rich robes. Now look at the second part of verse 23 in Jude. It says, Hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. So the flesh that Jude is referring to is the carnal nature of man being saved. You know, it is the rebellious outward natural man that leads away from God. You know, he, uh, some call it the, the animal nature. I'll read it to you, uh, read to you what was written in the commentary of the Holy Scriptures. It says he is becoming flesh, holy carnal or animal. If allowed to continue, he will become utterly dehumanized or that worst of all creatures, an animal with a reason. But holy flesh in its ends and exercises or with the reason which is but the servant of the flesh making him worse than the most ferocious wild beast a very demon a brutal uh, brutal nature with a fiend subtlety fiendish subtlety only employed to gratify such brutal brut brutality man has the natural and this makes the awful peril of his state by losing it or rather by its becoming degraded to be a servant instead of a lord, he falls wholly into nature, where he cannot remain stationary, like the animal who does not come, uh, leave, leave the habitation to which God first appointed him. The higher being thus utterly following, uh, fallen must sink into the demonic, where evil becomes his God, if not, as Milton says, his good. You know, there is nothing redeemable, redeemable about the old life that we lived before getting saved. And thus we let all of it go and repent towards a new direction. You know, the garments that uh, are to be let go of because they touch the flesh, flesh, the garments in this sense are the works of the flesh. They are useless and should go back into the fire from which they came. You know, if we go back and look at Zechariah now, we can see that when we are saved, those old works or garments are removed. That that sin nature that we had is removed. That carnal, natural man, animal nature is removed from us. And what is given to us is a new life, right? We have a new beginning. We have a spiritual nature now that we follow with God. All the rest of it is thrown away. It's gone. You know, what we do in the flesh is, what we, is we try to appease God in some way. And all of that is thrown out. But when we come to the Lord... We don't have to worry about pleasing him anymore because he is pleased with us through our faith. You know, in the context of this epistle, the false teacher and all their messages really teach a message of works. Thinking positively for salvation, that's works. Giving and charities, that's works. All the rest, it all comes down to works for them. Meanwhile, there is no repentance. You know, there is no change in the lives of their followers. You know, what you start with is what you finish with, where with God, there is change. There's transformation. He takes sand and water and he makes glass, where the false religions and teachers only make mud that dries out again. Therefore, our lives should bear the marks of transformation. You know, we glorify God 
by what God does through us. You know, when he takes, in my case, the alcoholic, and he turns that alcoholic into somebody that doesn't drink, into somebody that can read and study and, and, and just basically change you from uh, me from, you know, a pretty rough guy to hopefully somebody better now, that glorifies God. And he does it with everybody, everybody that turns to him, everybody that allows them to grip them. They make that change. And God is further glorified in that. We are his greatest work in the way that he changes us. You know, therefore, our lives should bear the marks of transformation. Where the false teacher says, stay the same, but have outward faith. God's word says, what is inward will spill outward. And your faith will be evident in your actions. But we cannot have that if we are still holding on to our old lives. We've got to let the past go. You've got to let all the people that have hurt you go. You can't hold grudges. You can't hold back. The man that forgives not can uh, cannot be forgiven. Think about that. You know, we've all lived these lives where we've been hurt. We've been scarred. We've been betrayed. Sometimes we've been the people that hurt people. We've been the betrayer. We've been the guys that make the cuts, right? We've got to ask forgiveness. And we've got to grant forgiveness. And we've got to move on past those things. You've got to let go of those old sins, those old vices, those old worries, those old uh, things that you think you need but you don't need. It's all got to turn away. You know, God changes us. Let those garments burn up in the fire. We don't want them. The flesh is not part of us anymore. We are spirit-driven now. We follow the Holy Spirit. We follow the Lord. We follow the Lord Jesus Christ with all that we do. Verse 25 says this, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. You know, Jesus is to be at the forefront of my life. You know, we should... Where would we be if we were not worshiping in truth and admiration? You know, we we would be lost out there. You know, we should be living lives for Christ, through Christ. We should, he should be our eyes and our ears, our everything always. I like how Dr. Uh, J. Vernon McGee puts it when he writes this. He says, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, he is God and he is our Lord. He should be the Lord of our lives. Glory should be given to him. We should glorify him, tell how great he is, how wonderful he is, how mighty he is, and how mighty to save. He is majestic, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is mighty. All power is given unto him in heaven and in earth. This universe has not slipped from under his control. All authority belongs to him. And whether you like it or not, you're going to bow the knee to him someday. You know, our message and the message coming from the pulpit every Sunday should be none other than the message of Jesus. If the false teacher starts telling you about how you and you uh, and you alone are great or how you are to change things on your own, well, the false teacher is not teaching Jesus because it's Jesus in us that does the work. We alone are not good enough. That's why we need him. We alone are evil, and that's why we seek him. There is no salvation outside of Jesus. 
not in our thoughts, not in our minds, not in our words, not in our deeds. Our deeds, our words, our thoughts, and our minds are the result of knowing Jesus. That's what makes the change. That's what brings about the works that we have in our Christian walks. You know, they are the results of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, and we should never forget that. You know, in these days of apostasy and confusion, we need to remember that because we need to remember that. Because for every failure, there's a triumph. And with every triumph, there's a failure. But if we give ourselves the credit for them, then we lose twice. We fail twice. We must be mindful of His Lordship and careful as we discern the times. You know, we've talked a lot during this study through Jude about how the false teacher comes along and separates the believer by taking parts and bits and, you know, little snippets of the truth and turning them and twisting them and making them into something that they're not. You know, I, I hear so often, you know, think positively, have a good vibe. I, I'm still trying to figure out what a vibe is. I guess I'm a little outdated being 38, but uh, it is what it is, right? But, you know, I, I you can check all the different translations of the Bible. I've never seen the word vibe. But I see Christians using it all the time. And I'm wondering where these things are coming from. You know, are it's not coming from the Word, I can tell you that. But who's influencing this stuff? You know, be mindful of what you listen to. Be mindful of what's going on. You know, if there's, you know, rampant sexual immorality in the church that you're going to, well, you know, attitude reflects leadership. And you need to remember that. And you need to think about that. You know, I, I know a lot of people that have had a hard time with church discipline that have had to you know, be dealt with in some ways because they refuse to let go of sins. But you know, it's not something that you're doing, that, that the church is doing to punish a person. What the church is doing is they're trying, you know, God is using the church in that point, in that way, to sort those sins out of a person's life, right? Sometimes the truth hurts. And, and I'll be honest with you, every time the truth hurts, you know, when we're convicted, reading through the word, when something hits us and we fall on our face and pray and repent right then and there, well, you know what? That's something that God's trying to work out of us. You know, if somebody gets caught cheating on their wife with somebody in the church and both those people are removed from the church, well, you know, it's not a permanent thing. What, what, you know, what the word said is that we should work towards restoration for those people, right? Draw them out of that sin. Help them. Be accountable, uh, you know, they need to be accountable for those things. Because in the end, we're all going to be accountable for those things. But where the false teacher fails is they allow it. And they bring it in. And they, you know, they say, well, it's if it makes you happy, it's good. Well, that's not always the case. You know, the devil seeks pleasure. The Lord seeks righteousness. We need to remember that. With that, we're going to finish up our study in Jude today. Uh, and this will be our last podcast for the year 2021. Starting next year, we're going to start going through the Gospel of Mark. So I pray that you guys would continue on in prayer, continue on listening, um, continue on, you know, just being part of this study. Uh, you know, I pray that these are a blessing to you. I know they're a blessing to me. I know our group loves it. So, uh, you know, God bless you guys. I, I can't wait to hear from you. And, and see you guys and, and, and share more messages with you. Father God, Lord, thank you again for this message. Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for the warnings. Lord, and even when it seems hard, we know that you've given us that, Lord, that you've given us forms of discipline to watch ourselves.
to, to be discerning of what's going on around us. Father, I pray that each and every one of us would be alert to the things going on around us. Father, that we wouldn't fall into those apostasies. Father, I pray that you would go before us, each and every one of us, this day. Lord, that you would bless us, that you would use us as lights, Lord. As, 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 as a beacon home for those that are lost. Father, I thank you and I pray to you in Jesus' name. Amen.